0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Beyond the Arc podcast. Once again, I'm here with my co-host Yash and we have a special guest on today. We have Eli here at Flawless, like Eli on Twitter. Eli, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How about you?
0: Pretty good. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Miami heat coming off of losing in the NBA finals after an unprecedented run or almost unprecedented run as an eight seed coming out of the play into the championship. But they have some questions they need to to ask internally in regards to the roster. Just as well as what the direction of their team is going this year, we can start with some of the young players they have. And their last year, they they selected Nikola Jovic in the twenty twenty two NBA draft. Eli, so what are kind of your thoughts on Nikola Jovic? I think
1: when we first selected Jovic, I was pro Jovic as a player pre draft, but anti the Take just because I wanted to trade it. But I think looking back throughout the season and just having Jovic currently. It's, it's so fun to have a young player and just see them improve. And that's not something that outside of Hero, for the most part, that's not really something I've we have the experience of just because a majority of our players, either their introduction to the rotation is late, like Bam, or they come in particularly old. They come in at 21. But Jovic is somebody who I think has submersed his development with Miami's strength and core development in a way that's really making him, in many ways, at least offensively, the perfect complementary for a guy like Bam, um, and for a lot of these bigs that can carry on big usage as DHO hubs or just like general um, facilitators from different areas on the court. I think this summer has really showcased those strengths. I think the biggest thing is obviously the added strength and weight. He's powering through guys. He did that all summer league. He's done that a little bit in FIBA, attacking closeouts, utilizing his drive length effectively. But obviously, the big things with him are some of the the more skill based things and how those kind of intersect with the with the added strength. So the I think the shot prep has improved. Miami's the big thing with Miami is probably that their shooters have some of the best footwork in the entire league, and that's something that I think is preached in with them. Menjovic has seemingly seemingly improved his footwork a lot from where he was in his pre-draft year, and the passing is still great. Like he, or at least relative to his position, he can make pick and roll reads. He's not particularly diverse in terms of how like how he's delivering the ball, but he sees the floor. He has good velocity on these passes, and, and just has general good spatial awareness and can pass out of drives. I think that those things in combination kind of make him viable to play the the Kelly Olympic role in 2020 where he complements what Miami wants to do in terms of pace and like spacing the floor and like running off ball actions or running curls for big on big curls, curl screens to get him going downhill. That's all possible in a way that it wasn't with PJ Tucker in a way that is not as possible with somebody like Caleb because he's not really a fourth or to go back even a little bit to like 2021. In a way, it wasn't possible with Igadala, So that's that. those are the big picture things with Jovich. And I'm interested to see just from what you guys seen in Summer League and during the World Cup and before that, some of the exhibition games, how you guys feel about Jovic.
2: Josh? Yeah, Jovic, I, you mentioned the shooting, which is really what's popped. Again, he's... You even coming back for his looking back to his rookie season. Of course, he's going to be limited usage, and that's really what popped the size at six ten. You you mentioned the ability to space the floor. Uh, Miami ran him in a lot of lineups where he's playing the five, and so biggest way for him to take advantage is of rim protectors defending him to space him out, shoot the three. But I was curious, like in FIBA, I didn't really have a chance to check that out. I was wondering, did you see a difference in his usage because? In in FIBA, that's where you have more of a green light. Coming in as an NBA guy, your usage typically increases. You have more of a role in the offense. Eli, I was wondering if you saw a shift in how they, how he was used and if there's anything that could be translatable to the NBA level looking into next season?
1: Um, I didn't really necessarily see a shift in his usage per se. He's still in that complimentary, more spot-up role. He got a decent amount of post-ups against mismatches, though. Um, where, like, a lot of them ended up in just mid-range fadeaways or uh, mid-range one-dribble pull-ups or two-dribble pull-ups over the shoulder. So good, it, good stuff for the most part. I think the things that are most translatable to the NBA, though, are what I had discussed in terms of the shot prep. The footwork is just so smooth. There's no wasted movements. He used to, before the NBA, he used to, like, wind up into his shot a little bit like Mikel does. He's eliminated that. There's not as big of a leakage in terms of power. So I just, his, his general prep and mechanics have been cleaned up. And he just looks better athletically t- to a major degree. Like he's added strength, but he hasn't lost mobility for the most part. The strides are still long. He's still a graceful mover, despite not being a very explosive mover. He's more efficient than explosive. And that can hurt him in terms of being a uh, creative from the middle of the floor, but as a complimentary piece, I think it aids him.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think in the in moving forward, like his role in the NBA is good. Definitely going to be more in that complimentary role playing off the ball. Uh, yeah. I like think Miami, when they had Kelly Olenek, I think that's what, I didn't really think of that as a comparison, but in terms of just like, as someone at that side who has those ball skills. And honestly, I think Jovic is a little bit better, like more natural of a ball handler, driver, definitely a better passer. Obviously, the big question for Jovic is going to be on the defensive end. How is he going to hold up? Because at the five, just that just didn't really work last year. I know he's young, but his athletic limitations, he's not as... He, he he might have got stronger in the offseason, but it's just like, what's the threshold for him to actually be able to legitimately guard fives and not just be like a gimmicky five? Miami used a lot of zone in those lines when he was, he was at the five. What do you think his... How he's gonna be? How, what does he need to do defensively just to be able to stay on the floor and and show what he can do on the offensive end?
1: I think the threshold to be a not necessarily a positive defender, but not a destructive defender for the Heat is a lot bigger due to somebody that we're gonna talk about later. But I think generally, if he's able to, if he's able to execute in a specific coverage. Miami is good enough at blending coverages between who's who's the big involved in the screen, and they're active enough in gap and they communicate well enough backline, to where if he's able to if he's able to execute showing, or if he's able to execute and drop, if he's able to master a specific pick and roll coverage, he can be serviceable. Um, I don't think he has the verticality to really be like a helper for the most part. Um, that would be big if he could do that but he do, he just doesn't really have any key defensive traits that even some of these negative defenders that are sneaky not terrible have doesn't have the quick hands that you say about every european defender who's or he doesn't have obviously doesn't have like great explosion in either direction laterally he's not completely cooked on like fours but if it's like a switch situation he probably would be so i do think that there that like the pathways to That being a positive defender are mostly related to like physical improvements that could come in terms of added flexibility, even more added flexibility and lateral agility that he does have right now. But in the meantime, I think that if he's able to do well enough showing and recovering or do well enough dropping in a way that like Duncan or Kevin loved it, that he can be serviceable in minutes.
0: Yeah. You alluded to this a little bit earlier. You said there's, there's someone that that kind of contributes to the Miami def- team defensive scheme that might allow Jovic to make up for Jovich's deficiencies. And I'm assuming that person's Bam Adebayo, am I correct? Yeah, for sure. Big EG's. Yeah. So obviously Bam is the second star next to Jimmy Butler and a little bit on the younger side still. What did you think of the season he had in 2022,
1: 2023? I think... B- Bam's season for 2022-2023 for the most part was in a lot of ways a step in the right direction but there's still a ways to go in terms of hitting his full potential I think which is a good and a bad thing maybe you want him to be as immediately impactful as he can be but there is I think despite the fact that like he's not uber young he's 25 there's still some room to grow in things that are um, like things that are easily uh, accessible to him but I think the biggest improvement for him this year was probably the mid-range stuff. From ten to sixteen feet, he went from he went from like twenty percent of his shots coming in that range in twenty twenty two to twenty seven percent of them coming in that range in twenty twenty three, and the percentage went up for forty point four percent to like forty nine point eight percent. He like made big strides in terms of that, and that provides, in my opinion, like a, a late clock bailout. Obviously, he's a, been able to implement some of the self-creation and isolation game into some of that connector big stuff he was doing before. He ranked he ranked in the 60th percentile on isolations and the 53rd percentile on post-ups. So there's like more self-creation juice than I think people think of when they think of Bam just because he is relatively proficient in like the mid-range area. He does have mid-range counters and a bag in that area. And he has some burst and some speed. Relative to most other fives, just because of his size compared to those guys. But where some of that falls apart, at least as a score, is, is like his contact balance, right? Where he's a little bit contact averse. And when faced with strength as a, as a creator, as somebody using his handle to get to a spot, he tends to grift or flail because I don't think he can consistently stay on balance during those. That's a point of emphasis in my opinion. And I'm, I'd am i be interested to see where you guys think of him in terms of self-creation improvements this year.
2: Yeah, you make great points there. And I think I agree with a lot of them. Bam being 6'9", I think presents difficulties, especially given the matchups he's often playing against, going up against guys that are often bigger than him. There's one, there's a strength or size disadvantage he's inherently going up against, but also just the intimidation factor. There's, you're not going to go out for looks often just due to the sheer matchup in front of you, and that's where I think where if someone like Dame comes over, who is another creator that takes the attention of the defense, like that gives Ban more space to operate, and that, that's where I really see him thrive, again, with his movement skills and whatnot his talent scoring talent him being unlocked in more space could that's where I really see him taking a step forward is if someone like Damian Lillard in a pick and roll draws to now you have Bam bio on, on a pocket pass he has an extra foot of space to then take a bump take a pound dribble get to the basket so I, I just think him being unlocked in more space is the key for him to take a step forward and he's so good as
1: like a, a quick decision maker like out of the short roll. When he's working with an advantage, he does a good job, like utilizing his eyes and just like general head fake to manipulate the defense and make some of these more basic reads. I think he's one of the better bigs in the league at doing that. And that's not really like I love Cal Lowry for what he's done in the league, even before being a Heat. But that's not something that he's doing for you. That's certainly not something that Gabe Vincent is doing for you. That's not even something that really Jimmy Butler is doing for you. More Tyler Hero to some extent can. But teams don't really treat him like that. So that's not something he's doing for you. But that is something that, certain somebody you mentioned from the North Pacific West
2: can do.
0: Yeah. I don't know. With Bam, I just feel like, to me, he definitely leans more on the play finisher side than his own self-creation. Like, he does t- take, you know, he's taking those mid ranges, but I don't think that's really bending a defense anyway. That's a shot they're just giving up. Um who who was that player you're referring to in the Pacific Northwest? I don't know why. It's just that just went over my head.
1: You mean so serious like, or like Redugger?
0: Huh? I'm talking about Dame, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that just went over my head. I was like, who are they talking about? <laughs> okay. All right, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, Dame would definitely help a ton. We just talked about all that talk about Jovich. I mean, Yovich is probably gone in that sort of deal, but I don't know. Do you kind of want to see a Dame deal, Eli? Yeah, of course. But before we touch on that, yeah. I think when you're
1: talking about, like, his mid-range jumpers and how, like, those don't necessarily bend the defense, mm-hmm. what I do think that they offer, I talked about it already in terms of, like, late shot clock bailout. But also, I think that it bends it a little bit more than you think in that, like, you can leave him open from the mid-range, but you, and, oh, we're daring you to take this shot. You're good from here, but you're not, you're not Kevin Durant. But that's not really how Miami's offense operates. If you leave him, if you leave him open middle of the floor, allow him to walk into a mirror in his jumper. Chances are that he's going to flow into a side action. Chances are that he's going to use his facilities as of a passing hub of a DHO hub to to flow into other actions. So from there, I think that if you're running drop, for example, right, you give them that midi. Now you have to, if you're, let's say you're Jokic, for example, right now. Jokic has to, get, he has to get his ass from covering Bam on the road, like attempting to contest at the rim. Now you have to get out 24 feet and you have to cover ground. Otherwise, there's, maybe there's an open three or maybe there's you're able to like attack the top foot and dropping and get to the rim. So I think that's, even though it's not necessarily something, he's not Joel Embiid, right? It is something that I think has its own gravity just because of his connective prowess.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you play too far off Bam Bam and help, they're going to flow into that, those side actions that a lot of teams are trying to implement with like just non-spacing five, just turning that into a dribble handoff. Yeah, that's definitely, his advantage on offense is just his mobility. Are you good now to move on to the Dame trade speculations type stuff? Yeah. I think we can Bam's defense
1: and where he like ranks as a defender as we just talk about like the general team to close it out. So yeah.
0: Wait, sorry, what'd you say? I think we can, like, get back to fans' defense shortly okay. while closing out. So, yeah, I'm, okay. willing to talk about, <laughs> I'm willing to talk about the Dame situation. Yeah. I don't know. I just, we'll just open up to you. What were your thoughts on that whole, there's a pretty good chance you ended up getting traded that's a preferred destination, but what were your whole thoughts on the situation?
1: I think for starters, I think I have a reputation as of a Dame hater, or not even necessarily a hater, just like a just I don't love the way that he's gone about addressing like addressing this whole ordeal his entire career right where there's a there's a rap lyric every month about how you know how he's loyal it's like i just think some of the stuff around him is like super aggravating but i'm gonna drop that i'm gonna drop that i'm gonna drop that once he's on my team like i really don't care like rap about whatever you want if you're a heat because it's legitimately I don't think people realize but last year we saw we saw one of the best offensive seasons that we've seen in a little minute, like even with stat inflation, like 32, what was it, 60, 65 true shooting percentage. Obviously, a lot of that is a crazy high difficulty. He can't, obviously, he can pull from 30, but he can get a paint touch whenever he wants, right? Like, he's so adept at, like, splitting, splitting the pick and roll. He's so adept at attacking the top foot and getting to the rim from there just because of, like, how big they have to treat him in space as a shooter. And then he's not the craziest passer, but he has every basic read in his bag. Like he is, once you get past Luca and Steph and KD and like all of those guys, like those top of the line all time primaries, he's like the best guy. And he's arguably in talks with some of the guys in that group that don't eat up as big, like playmaking usage. As is it crazy to say like Dame and KD offensively are in the same talks? Is that crazy to say?
0: I think there's similar areas. It's just Katie has the the size advantage, shoot over guys where Lillard might have to take more higher difficulty shots. So that maybe lean towards Katie. But I, I know what you mean though. Like he's a very super high level, like one of the best shot makers, shot creators in the NBA. So yeah, yeah.
1: And I think that just the fit with the Heat is super like like super synergistic with his skill set. Just because he, I don't necessarily think that. Dame has had the most opportunity to showcase how his shooting can be deployed in, in a more like movement heavy system or even a system that, you know, values like flowing into side actions or flowing into handoffs in a way that Miami does. He's led the league in like time of possession or not let the league because Luka and Harden and all those demons exist, but he's been close to the top of the league in time of possession for the better part of his prime. And I think that's because he's like, he's basically eating up the, the Luka usage or at least the usage right below that he's eating up the Harden usage. Like he's doing these things for Portland in part because um, I don't think that they ever utilized whatever synergy he had with as a handoff hub or even like running him off of Iverson or running him off of curls. Like there's just not a lot of usage for Dame to operate in that sense. And I think that he really unlocked that just because we talked, and this is obviously, hypothetically, with the Yovich part, at least. Like, Yovich is on this team the Heat have a bunch of guys that can make decisions with the ball. And they're coached to do so. And touches are distributed quickly. And I also think that aids Jimmy a lot, where he doesn't have to eat up as many post-ups and mid-post isolations and drives from the middle of the floor. I just think, I, I can't help but think that if this deal gets done, let's, I'm going to be Hopeful and say when this deal gets done, I can't help but think there's not a better team, at least in the East. And part of me wants to say that there wouldn't be a clearly better team on the opposing side. Um, just because like the offensive juice at that point, the defense that the defensive um, foundation is already there. And then the best coach in the league, in my opinion, I, you can't tell me that team couldn't win the title. And that's all I want to see. We have, we have our
2: quote right there no team uh stands in front of Miami <laughs> uh but no you made some great points I actually I wanted to ask you this myself but you addressed it the whole Dame off ball thing like uh the difference between usage and uh, ability I think is uh, an important distinction that many often fail to make I think obviously I'm no mechanic shot doctor or anything like that but Dame, I, I definitely think that Dame can shoot on the move, and he's done so, I think, especially in more recent years. Chauncey Billups, Bullup, even though, obviously, Portland is no motion offense so I like to Miami or uh, to Golden State, I think Chauncey Billups definitely tapped into that skill set of Dame's in the cu- last couple of years since he took over, and Dame's produced good results out of it. Uh, it there are no like, layered actions or anything, but for Synergy, you know, just last season, Dame was 81st percentile, in or around 81st percent on both off screen and handoff shooting he's definitely someone who can is very capable of shooting off the move it, it's just a matter of one can he buy into that for a whole season which that, that is a question that can be asked because there, there's there been quotes in the past of course I, I, I don't know the context of those about him playing off the ball which hasn't exactly gone in in the particular direction that people may have wanted but Again, the whole off-ball thing with Dame, it, it, there's definitely valid questions to be asked there, but the ability is definitely there, and I think that's what
0: is most important. Yeah, yeah, hopefully that'll be interesting for Miami if that happens, because that's just another guy, not just another guy, but he, he's Dame, but just with the handoff game they have with Bam and, and Lillard. Like that's just another level to what they had with a like Duncan Robinson or like a Max Struce. And then now you maybe don't have to play the, those type of guys, but you can put more like defensively slanted guys. They like just signed Josh Richardson, putting Josh Richardson in those lineups. We're talking about lineups. If in theory, let's say this little trade happens, Eli, who would be your like ideal lineup? I wouldn't say starting five because starting five, you know, they started Kevin Love last year um, at times. So uh, like, what would their ideal lineup be, ideal be for, lineup you? for you? This is this is difficult can I get some of the like the hypothetical trade details? So Jovic is probably gone, right? And then now you need to match salary. So I would assume Kyle Lowry, probably gone. Um, you need to tie a hero, just in terms of just some sort of young player incentive. He might get rerouted, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say, because who knows if it ends up being like a three team or a two team trade um honestly it's even harder to say just because they would have to give up so many different players there's just not that many players left to even choose from Uh, but there's a few yeah okay yeah so
1: i think it would be like some combination give or take of dame j rich and at the two forward spots it would either be like going back to I don't want to say the O reliable because I'm not the biggest Caleb fan, but the what worked in the playoffs and Jimmy and Caleb filling those spots or reverting back to some of those smaller lineups with Jimmy and Caleb filling out that. And then obviously Bam at the five. But I am like a relatively big fan of the Jay Ridge signing out. I want to first see like how you guys feel about it before I make my comments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, he called away last year with the Spurs, so I didn't, I didn't get to watch him too much last year, but he, like, just what he's brought in the past, like, secondary ball handler, um, shooting-wise, it's been, a, I think, I don't think it's been a little hit or miss. I'm not sure what he shot off the top of my head, but I just, I know his release is a little funky, but I think he shot it well percentage-wise, but secondary he ball in there, he have. Like,
1: he had a three-year period of, like, really solid shooting. I think it was like 37% or 36% for a three-year period, which is adequate for where the rest of his career is lined it. But I don't think it was particularly great last year, if I remember correctly.
0: Okay. So last year he split time with the Spurs and Pelicans. End of the season, he ended up with the Pelicans for a while. He actually shot pretty well from three, but I don't think he he didn't play the biggest role on either of those teams. But yeah, if that trade does happen, looks like he's probably going to be the starting two guard. Um, and I'm not opposed. To, I'm not opposed to him at all.
2: I, I like him actually. Like yeah. I, I think he's contrary. I think he's a really good shooter, especially off the catch. I think part of the reason why his three point percentage wasn't as high in San Antonio was just because he was asked to take on more of an on ball role, and so he saw more of those difficult pull up threes that he likely won't see as much in uh, a team like Miami, where he's going to get better looks inevitably. So yeah, one, I think he's a really good complementary like shooter, but I also think he's. Really good three-level score. Like he can get into the paint off of a handoff, like straight line drives and whatnot. Make the right play. He has a mid-range game. He, I think that just the skill set is there. That it's a sort of like Caleb Martin, where he can function in, in a variety of roles and score in a few different ways. Which, again, in a team like Miami, where so much is predicated on motion, and you have to have multiple options ready at, at if one is denied. I think he just fits into those seams really well. And defensively as well, I, I, Eli probably knows better than I do. But again, the tools, the size, the athleticism, I think all that matches what Miami's Miami's done the last couple of years. And he has familiarity with the system. I think it's a good pickup for them. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: I, you got thoughts? Okay, go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. My bad.
1: But I would definitely agree for the most part. I think he's somebody who can provide secondary creation as a handler, or more so tertiary. I think is the best way to describe it. I don't really want him being the second guy to handle the ball, but I think it's I think it's cool if he's in a more ter- tertiary role where he's like attacking closeouts. Maybe he gets some side PNR. He's not the craziest passer, but he's also not completely inept at that. And I think that there's like scoring on multiple levels is that's worth being unlocked. I wish he would cut down some of the middies when I watched him with the Spurs. It was a big part of his offense. And I'm not necessarily pro that, but I do think that's something he'll probably do less with Miami where he'll be getting a more a, a decent uh, proportion of like cuts and stuff. And he was relatively efficient when he was with like Boston, and for the most part. He's been a solid finisher. He's not the not the greatest, um, but he's a solid finisher. The shooting has I think he's a good shooter. I think I would agree with Josh there that he's like good for the last couple of seasons. he's the free throw rate has been or three point rate that is has been close close to fifty. And he's knocked the ball down with like pretty good proficiency and the it's a pretty diverse profile relative to the type of player he's considered to be. But I think on defense he's somebody that can like power through screens i think that's something that i liked in his spurs and his spurs film and he has like really good hands in a system where he's asked to be more active um at the gap or in driving gaps or at the nail. i think he can really be on lock in terms of um, utilizing those hands utilizing the link that he does have and when he's asked to navigate screens I think he'll do a good job powering through them. So I think he gives, not to over-exaggerate, but he gives somebody who has some semblance of, like, dribble, pass, shoot, skill set, and can connect coverages for Miami um, from the perimeter.
0: Yeah, so just looking through, so if we think about that lineup with Lillard, Richardson, Butler, Martin Adebayo, right? Because that's just what we have to speculate about right now. Outside of Dame, the three-point shooting in that lineup is... I don't know, it's a little bit worrying to me, not in terms of percentage, because percentage-wise, Richardson shoots great, but if you look at his attempts, he only got up, you know, about four a game last season, uh, which is still below average for a shooting guard. Martin, I know he went off in the playoffs, just super, he was getting super hot from there, but he only averaged around three to four attempts. Butler, obviously not the best three-point shooter in the world, out bio, doesn't really take any. So that part worries me a little bit, just with, in terms of just, like, getting enough threes up. Maybe Dame can just compensate for that just by getting however many he does up. But yeah, it's just some just something to think about. Just they don't have any like other high volume three point guys outside of Dame in, that Dame out, in that sure.
2: And I guess Duncan off the mix. If he if he's balls willing to play him. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing unique about Miami is those they make up for that kind of spacing just because they put instead of having four guys on the perimeter. There were like three guys on the perimeter and like a pick and roll action. They have Jimmy Butler down low at the dunker spot. And so inevitably just having one less guy on the perimeter to allow defenses to zone up just makes opens up the floor a little more. I think that's how they got over it last year.
0: That's one thing I'll say for that. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see kind of that same alignment with Butler in the dunker spot or even like even Adebayo in the dunker spot. Either I actually like Adebayo there a little better catch lobs a pick and roll with Lillard and Butler and then Butler gets in the short roll, and then now you're playing two-on-one with Adebayo's defender as like a lob threat, and Butler's adeptness in the mid-range. So I kind of like the idea of that. And Richardson and Martin are guys you're gonna leave wide open. They just, I think their shots, they take a little bit more to wind up, and they're, they're not most, catch and shoot not t- entirely, like, they can put the ball on the floor, they'll attack. Um, so maybe that won't end up being that big of a concern, also because of, of Miami system. Um, but that's just something to keep an eye out for. Just like how are they gonna get the other like that volume three point shooting outside of Dame? Yeah. yeah. I also think Oh, go for it, Eli. No, it's... go ahead. No, I was gonna segue to
2: a different topic. You can wrap up this point. Yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna be in a
1: in agreement that like beating the mad three point volume will probably be important. But I was also gonna say that you talked about like the Jimmy Dame PNR or the Dame Jimmy PNR, that is but I would also be like really interesting inverted PNR with Dame and Bam and Dame goes to screen or uh, Dame and Jimmy and Dame goes to screen. A lot of potential here, like Spain where you have Dame, um, Bam, Jimmy all involved is, I think, an interesting action. Like there's a lot of potential there for a um, multitude of actions.
2: Yeah. And I think, again, the reason for that is. Dame is, is someone that is sound come shooting off of movement or compared to someone like Trey, who I think, I don't know if you guys agree, but mechanically someone like Trey Young versus Damian Lillard, it might be tougher for him to shoot off of movement when his the feet are set and stuff.
0: Yeah. Cause of the set, yeah. set point. Yeah. Yeah. And Trey also has a tendency to like, He's a little bit more off balance, I would say, when he shoots where his dame, I think his dame's balance is really good on his shot. Like all the yeah. time. He's always I always feel like he's really balanced. I think we can shift. I know you want to talk a little bit about Bam's defense. Like we can only talk about his offensive end. So Bam obviously he brings that switchability, doesn't have always have the size to do the traditional like rim protection. And Miami doesn't always have the size and the back line to back that up. Um, but they somehow make it all work. So like, why do you think that is? Like, How do they get away with playing such like small lineups and they just somehow always make it work?
1: I think the way they get away with some of Bam's weaknesses or I think some of run protection being Bam's specific weakness is a little over-exaggerated and more so like a team weakness. But the I think the best way that they figured out to not have to worry about that is just, you won't get to them. You don't get there. And they've made that happen in a playoffs and they've made that happen in a regular season where, you know, because of how aggressive they are in Gap and also just because of, I think what's underrated about Bam is that he's viewed as like the switch guy. He's viewed it as like, I'm going to, we're going to switch everything. We're going to switch every action I'm involved in. And that's how we have to play. But that's not necessarily, them. like he does switch more than, I think Bam switches like three times as much as like, Triple J, right? Like 12 to four per hundred or something like that. And he's, he allows like 0.88 points per possession and like direct, direct scoring chances, no assists in isolation or like for switch defense. Right. But beyond that, Bam is incredibly underrated as a drop defender. He can play ice coverage, his hand placement and any pick and roll coverage that you run is, is sublime. He communicates well. And he IDs matchups extremely well as a pick and roll defender. And I think uh, some of his strengths as a communicator are like second to only Mon Green, whereas some of the LeBron, some of these guys that are just so far ahead of the game that I don't necessarily think he's on that level. But I do certainly think he's better at communicating coverages than somebody like Jerry Jackson Jr., for example, or Nicholas Claxton, some guys that are all like in this range in terms of DPO wide level defenders that he gets compared to. I think he's, better at that than Mill. Which is why I think despite the fact that there's been a bit of an athletic decline for him, not major, just like a small one. I think that in a playoff setting his defense is still as good as it was in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, just because he's improved in terms of positioning. He's improved in terms of where to place his hands in different coverages. And he's as active as he's ever been, if not more active, providing help at the nail, providing help when guys turn their backs. He's so great at that. So he's super, super good at loading up. He's super, super good in terms of providing help at the nail. And he, he gives you a multitude of pick and roll coverages. Like he is the switch defender. It's like Nicholas Clark's the number one. Mobley's probably in these talks, but Bam is Bam still. Even though this isn't his apex as a switch defender, he's still definitely in those talks. But beyond that, he can do so many coverages and I think that ultimately he's just the best pick and roll defender in the league. And because of that, the ball is constantly in front. And beyond that, when guys are beat, he does such a great job of covering up for them from a multitude of different areas. Which is why the Heat, the past three years, I think they have the the second best playoff defense to like the Bucks relative to opponent. And that and the Bucs are like, I think, I think the Bucs are like one of the 20 best defenses ever just relative to opponent. And the Heat are probably like in the 50s. Which is like crazy. That's incredible that a defense that plays at times was playing multiple small guards, like multiple six foot guards, was also did not really have a secondary run protector. And other than him, there were times where know fluctuated with only two real needle movers. Or when P- it was him, Jimmy, PJ in the lineup, that's three. But for the most part, with like Vic getting injured, so many injuries. Just constantly able to keep the defense alive and keep small guards on the floor in playoff minutes. And the Heat's rebounding percentage, defensive rebounding percentage has remained relatively impressive. And despite the fact that he doesn't grab a lot of those boards, like he's averaging like 10, but he's so active boxing out. Like he will catch a body in a way that I don't think he gets credited for. So I think Bam does a lot of, I think Bam is, I don't think this is a high take. I think he's the third best defender in the league. I would have Ad and Draymond above him, and I would have him in Triple J and like a little small interval. But I think Bam is the third best defender in the, in the NBA, and a couple guys following them like Claxton and Mobley, J Max somewhere down there, like a lot of guys. But that's my opinion. By his side, like no homerism. Hopefully, maybe a little bit,
2: maybe a little bit. But uh, yeah, and I think positioning is a great way to encompass a lot of what he does. I, I think. Something that specifically stood out to me in last year's playoffs was just how in Miami's zone, they just trusted Bam to be the guy in the back line. And so, for example, when the ball came into the middle, usually you see the defense collapse in in traditional zone. And that's how teams are able to get the ball out, spray out to shooters, et cetera. But with Miami, when the ball got to the middle, it was just Bam. And again, he's sound with his positioning, his hands and whatnot. And that's what enabled them to get as many stops as they did with the the lineups they were in. And I think that's something that's going to be arguably even more important this year with how they potentially got more vulnerable at the perimeter. Of course, you're swapping Gabe Vincent, who's known as a gritty perimeter guy with Dame, who although does have, I think, some tangible defensive traits that could translate over, he's, he is obviously more offensively tainted. And also with the loss of Max Shoes, who I think he's not super mobile, but you're missing some of that size. And and compensating that with with other trades, it's going to be another you know important year for Bam defensively, trying to anchor this unit and and take them uh, to the promised land.
0: Yeah, somehow he even if they don't have the most perfect roster, perfect fitting roster in the world, they just they somehow make it work. They play small guards. They play they start Duncan Robinson and Max Hughes together in a playoff series and for a game or two, and they make it work. Heat um, culture, you know, yeah, heat culture, heat but, culture. Eli, is there anything else you want to touch on today? No, not particularly. I think um, this is a
1: great place to end. We touched on, really, there's, I hate to say it, but there's not really a a heat young core. It's just Bam and Jovic. And I guess Hami Hakuez, but he's also, like, 23. (laughs) He's not particularly young either. We touched on the offense. We touched on the defense. We touched on the day trade. That will happen, like, tomorrow.
2: Promise the guy it will. And, yeah. I think we touched on everything. You are here for first folks, Dame trade happening. Oh, on the September
0: 6th. Yeah. That'd be crazy as soon as like about, I'm like <laughs> at the middle of editing this and then Dame Miller traded in Miami. I'm like, oh, great. Luckily we <laughs> talked <laughs> about it. We talked about this in a way where it was like, if Dame was on the team. So like, it's still pretty relevant. But yeah, Eli, thanks again for, for coming on. Where can people find any work you do?
1: For the most part, like. All of my work is available on Twitter. Like you can find the links to it. I've written articles for a bunch of like different places for the most part. But where you'll find the most consistent work is like my YouTube, where I've made like videos on current NBA players and like some I recently made a video on Ellie Cadu, who's like a twenty twenty four prospect who's going to North Carolina and on the Patreon where I've written a lot of work, work. about for the most part about the 2023 draft class but also uh, some in league stuff yeah like all same at Eli the Economist apparently I might turn to Eli the Prophet if this damn stuff happens but Eli the Economist on everything Eli the Economist YouTube Eli the Economist Twitter or follow us Eli is the at Eli the Economist on Patreon and yeah that's really it thank you guys so much
0: yeah definitely if for the listeners out there if you guys are listening you as you probably can tell from this podcast, Eli is super bright mind with basketball and just all the little tiny details and you convey you convey it in a way that's under, still understandable for everyone. So props to you for that. For, for the rest of the listeners, make sure you follow us on whatever stream platform you listen to the podcast on and make sure to follow our Twitter at, at Beyond the Arc Eight. Thank you for listening.